ಪ್ರಾಂಜಲಿರಾನತೋಸ್ಮಿ I prostrate with folded hands before Patanjali who benefited mankind by delivering yoga for mind grammar for speech and by removing impurities of the body through medicine So in the last class we were studying the 20th 21st and the 22nd sutra of the second chapter which deals with the nature of the drashta the seer as we have seen that the yoga sutra elucidates points out the cause of suffering is the samyoga is the conjunction of the seer and the sin and after describing the cause of suffering as the conjunction between the seer and the sin the yoga sutra sequentially dealt is dealing with the nature of the seer and then the nature of the sin so in the last class we were studying the nature of the seer as has been described in the sutras 20 21 and 22 of the second chapter so what was mentioned the drashta drishi matra shuddhopi pratyaya anupashya that was the 20th sutra that the seer the drashta is consciousness only drishi matra means the consciousness only and through pure and do pure shuddhopi sees through the coloring of intellect pratyaya pratyaya is the contents of each and every thought webs so that's the coloring of your intellect through which the seer is constantly witnessing the happenings going on in the scene in the drishya which includes our psychophysical existence drishya doesn't mean only the external world it's actually the thing which the seer is witnessing so that includes our psychophysical existence so he is just witnessing he is in no way the purusha is in no way getting identified with the prakriti it's just in association with the prakriti when it comes in association with the prakriti as in the last class we were indicating it it as if appears to be tinged by the coloring of the drishya of the intellect intellect is also a part of the drishya it seems as if to be tinged with the coloring it really doesn't get tinged the example with the yoga sutra gives is the example of a red flower placed in the proximity of a prism 
When you place a red flower in the proximity of the prism, the prism appears to be tinged with that red color. Actually, it has not become that it has not been colored, but that it appears as red. So that's the example which the yoga commentary, the commentary on the Yoga Sutra is elucidating. It is describing. So it's just an appearance. And because of that appearance, the ignorance comes into picture. The, the Purusha, the seer, which is never tainted by the Prakriti, once seeing it being tinged by the Prakriti, starts experiencing the duality of the Prakriti in the form of pleasure, pain, happiness, sorrow, those are not his nature, but being identified with the Prakriti, it starts experiencing. There's a bhoga. And this bhoga is not without any purpose. All this bhoga at last is there to teach the soul as if the soul is not to be taught because it is already fulfilled. But because of the ignorance, it fills that insufficiency and it has to go through particular experiences to at last reach the state of liberation, the upper varga. So the role of the Prakriti is to take the Purusha through the process of bhoga and upper varga. So the process of experience culminating in the liberation. So that's what the Yoga Sutra is describing. And how to understand the Purusha is something that the Purusha is the subject. The eternal subject can never be known. It can only be known by studying the nature of the intellect. What, are the, what is the nature? The nature appears to be conscious, though it is inert. Why it appears to be conscious? Because of its association with the conscious principle. The example which we were giving in the last class is the night, is a full moon night. On the full moon night, the earth appears to be illumined by the moon, as if the moon is illuminating the earth. But the light of the moon is not its own. It is the reflected light of the sun. The sun is reflected on the moon, which again is reflected, that rays are reflected back on earth. At night, I don't see the sun. And just the reflected rays of the sun on the moon, we may be easily deluded by thinking it to be the light of the moon. And that again is lighting the earth. It's just like the way we think our intellect is lighting up, is as if activating our senses, our entire of the prana, the vitality, the senses, everything is being activated by the mind. That's what generally we feel. But actually the mind itself has been activated by being in proximity of that conscious principle, which in turn activates the body-mind complex. So the inert mind, which is appearing as conscious is an indication that the conscious, it is in association with the conscious principle. And now it is 
the, the another example which can help us to understand it easily the mind is just like the hardware of your computer till the current passes through it it's just like a dead log wood it's inert the moment the electricity passes through it you this gives a bias voltage immediately the world of virtual reality opens up manifests through that apparently inert hardware so mind is like just like that hardware it's inert it's not conscious it being in association with the conscious principle as if opens up this world of so called reality which like the virtual reality of the computer is also virtual but as we all are seeing the same virtual reality and there's the matter of consci- what is the, the matter of consent comes the majority is consent what i am seeing you are also seeing and that create the consensus reality it's not the real reality it is not actually real as we all consent it to be real so it appears as something real but actually it is the same virtual reality as we see in the computer why these are all indicated to make us aware of the fact the real our real existence is in the consciousness what all we see is actually a world of virtual reality it's not real and once we become aware of it then the world affects us no more it only affects us when we take it as real when all the polarities are taken as something which is happening to me the moment i am no more affected by disidentifying myself from the thing which is being projected i gradually develop that calmness the tranquility to remain calm composed in all situations of life whatever may happen spirituality doesn't mean avoiding the struggles of life avoiding the so called circumstances of life generally that's what we think most of us in the name of spiritual spirituality in the name of religion will go to some shrine so some temple kneel down in front of the deity and what we pray please remove all the so called difficulties from my path hindrances from my path that's a very initial stage of our spiritual journey that's not what this real spirituality means the life with all its happenings with all its dualities are bound to happen the real spirituality is not actually flying away from it trying to avoid it trying to get rid of it real spirituality is to be aware of the fact that the dualities of life like a flow will go on i have almost no control over it but i can transcend it i cannot avoid it but i can transcend it how by not being immersed in the flow that the samsara the word samsara itself means flow samsarate iti samsara if you are aware of this word that itself should make a spiritual jagat means movement that from the gam dhatu the word jagat came that which is moving nothing is permanent here 
Everything is a flow. Why we suffer? We jump into the flow and get drenched by it. Become, we become a part of it. If we can develop that aptitude of being on the bank of the river called Sangsara and just witness it. As Swami Vivekananda in one of his lectures indicating, the world is like a band party with a lot of pomp and show. It is just passing down the street. You come out from your room, stand in the balcony of your house and just watch it. You watch it coming, just passing to the front of your house for some time and then again it goes off. So you had nothing to do with it. You were just the witness. You were just the one who were enjoying it, knowing it very well. It is not something which is going to stay forever. So this is the thing. Again and again, the scripture is pinpointing. Why it is do it, doing it again and again? Very interesting. When the devotees used to come to Sri Ramakrishna, he will go on giving the same uh, dictums. He will go on spelling out the same dictums, same instructions, same message almost every day. There was a lot of repetition. And Riday, the one, his nephew who used to take care of Ramakrishna, do his personal service. So he always used to hear that his uncle is repeating the same thing again and again. So he asked, why do you repeat? Ramakrishna told, "Why? how does it matter you? It is a, just something between me and the people who hear it. Why are you disturbed with it? And then the next thing which he's saying is very interesting. You know he, what he's saying? That our mind is just like a village pond filled with scum. That green scum covers it. The village lady comes to access the water, the clean water. What she does, she removes the scum. The transparent water becomes visible. Whatever purpose she may use it, maybe it's for cleaning the utensils, washing the cloths, whatever, whatever maybe after she's done, she leaves the bank. She starts going towards her own house, her home. And in no time, the scum comes back and fill the pond. So why the scripture repeats the same thing again and again? Why in our classes we are so repetitive? Because our mind is also like that pond full of scum. For when we are discussing, when we are contemplating, as if we are removing the scum, the transparent water is visible, we think, oh, I have understood. But in no time, the nature of the mind is such, the scum comes back and again covers the mind. So there's a need of cleaning of the scum again and again. There's almost a similar incidence in the life of Ramakrishna we find is related to his guru Totapuri. Totapuri one day instructed Ramakrishna, you know, the brass vessels, the copper vessels has to be cleaned, cleansed every day to retain its shine. Otherwise there will be a coating over it. So to maintain that the, the, the shine of this copper or brass vessels, you have to clean it every day. It also indicates the same thing that go on 
contemplating on the same subject again and again this a sutra related to this also will come just in our, today itself most probably we will be discussing it comes again and again so we have to go on cleansing and immediately ramakrishna responded in a very nice way he told but what if the brass or the copper vessel gets transformed into gold so it's a very interesting thing a very significant thing ramakrishna is saying that how long this cleansing process goes on till the realization when this cleansing of the mind leads to the realization when the truth is palpably realized it's no more an intellectual conviction then that is as if like getting transformed into gold this just the way the gold ornament ornament never loses its shine it's retains its shine i don't i did not have to cleanse it every day polish it every day it retains its shine so similarly after realization once the spiritual truth is realized all the practices falls off there is no need you never forget about your real nature as ramakrishna used to say very nicely that in a stuffy warm summer day we use the hand fan how long we use the hand fan till the southern breeze starts blowing so again the same thing the southern breeze breeze speaks of spiritual realization and the using of the hand fan speaks of the cleansing process the sadhana how long the sadhana should go on till the southern breeze till the realization dawns in our spiritual life so this should go on so that we uh, are always aware of our nature we cleanse the mind we don't allow the scum to come and cover our awareness and make us behave like a petty creature by being affected by the so called happenings of life so that's the thing with the scripture in all the sutras actually it's actually implying the same thing again and again so drashta drishi matra shuddhopi pratyaya anupashya so after that that it was mentioned in the 21st sutra what tat artha eva drishyasya atma the nature of the experienced the prakriti that is the drishya is for him that the nature by itself has no purpose there is a very significant sutra in sankhya yoga what is that sanghato pararthatvat that whenever you find a unit a composite unit has been formed by the conglomeration of various particles or various small parts know it for certain that composite that conglomerate serves no purpose for any of its parts that the entire unit doesn't serve any purpose for any of the conglomerate it's a very significant sutra in yoga which is also used in vedanta this analogy just take the analogy of a house that so many ingredients have you need to build up the house the mortar the cement the bricks and what not the iron rod but the room the building doesn't serve any purpose for the brick 
for the cement, for the iron rod, for the mortar. It doesn't serve any purpose. It serves the purpose for some parartha, for someone who is not a constituent of that room. So we, we for our shelter, we for our various uh, purpose, use maybe using that room. If it's a temple, we are using it for our devotional practices. So we who are not the constituent, we come from outside and use that room. So the Yoga Sutra is indicating that if you find a unit which has formed by the conglomeration of various small parts, know it for certain, it has no, it doesn't serve any purpose for the parts. So Prakriti doesn't, Prakriti is a combination, is a conglomerate of so many constituents. It in no way serves purpose for itself. It is there for the purpose of the seer to take him through the process of bhoga and apavarga. Experience leading to realization. All the experience bhoga at last leading to the realization. Swami Vivekananda is giving the example of studying a book. When you are studying the book, page after page you are turning. They are getting the experiences, the turning of the page after page. At last, when the book is read, the last page you have read, you close the book, you keep it aside. There is no purpose of the book anymore. The book was there to give us some knowledge. Once I get it, there's no purpose of the book. So that's how is, that's what is the relation between the Purusha and the Prakriti. Prakriti is just like the book. The Purusha is going through it. And at last, that Apavarga comes, the rea- that release comes. There's no need. It has, the book has taken you through the experiences. You have got the knowledge and you keep it aside. In the biological terms, what, how this, we can explain this bhoga and apavarga? Just take a small bacteria. What has happened? The same purusha, the conscious principle, is being reflected in that microbody of the bacteria. And now, because of ignorance, the bacteria, that psychophysical existence of the bacteria, where the consciousness has been reflected, that reflected consciousness starts thinking that I am and I am the conscious being, eternal conscious being. The Purusha is echoing through that body. Now that echo is deluding him, that deluding that creature by thinking it to be eternal, but it finds in its day-to-day life a little, just a little change in the circumstances immediately deludes, what you say that annihilates that microbe. A little change in the circumstance, annihilates. How, how it is annihilated? Uh, that little more temperature, little less temperature, little more humidity, little less humidity, it gets annihilated. But someone, something is behind echoing that you are eternal. And from this echo, which actually results in the ignorance, it makes that microbe to evolve, to fight against nature, so that the ego can be, that ego can be realized in its physical existence. How it does? Now, a few microbe conglomerates, and there will be division of labor. 
you take care of the circulation you take care of assimilation digestion you take care of the respiration and that way that that colony of microbes are conglomerating to form a unit to fight with the nature in a better way so that the eternity can be realized and this is the way the evolution is happening so you will find very nicely the yoga philosophy can fit in into the theory of evolution of biology darwin's theory of evolution we don't deny it it happens but that's not the last word as per the darwin's theory of evolution evolution is linear it goes on we are as if evolving we will go on evolving but yoga indicates a very interesting thing what that a time comes as a human being we have that intellectual faculty to realize that it's out of delusion i am mistaking the ego to be the real ego of the consciousness to be something uh, i want to realize through my physical existence which is never going to happen however i may try and that attempt to realize the eternity in the physical plane is a delusion because i'm already that eternal being beyond all limitation it's just by being associating with the reflection taking the reflection to be real all the changes are happening and i feel perturbed and try to fight with the nature so that the thing which is echoing behind me that you are eternal you are eternal that gets realized in the physical plane now once as a human being with the human intellect i realize that this attempt to evolve in the physical plane stops that is the renunciation just see how the bhoga at last brings that renunciation renunciation cannot be forced we all have to go through that experience for the for that renunciation to come spontaneously in our life as sri ramakrishna very nicely used to say that if you have a wound in your body and when it is healing there is a scab over that wound when it is heals now if you forcefully remove that scab the wound will lacerate you have to allow the scab to fall off as the healing is completed it automatically falls off so as we go through the renunciation today or tomorrow we all are bound to be free when the experiences take us to that climax moment when we suddenly realize that this is a futile attempt to realize that eternity which is echoing behind my intellect behind my body to take it to be something real and trying to uh realize it in the physical plane plane that stops the renunciation dawns and that's how this is spontaneous now the process of nivritti comes no more getting associated with it let it me let me be detached from it i cannot stop it immediately because of the past impulse of my samskaras i have to go through the experiences but constantly i should be aware of the fact that i am not it and this gradual detachment at last will stop the flow to take you to that ultimate realization it's just like the fan revolving when the fan is revolving there's a force behind it 
the, the current is passing through the coil and the fan is revolving. How to off it? I off the switch. I disconnect the electricity. But does the fan stop immediately? No, because of the past impulse, the past uh, moment of, there's, you know, there's past inertia of motion. It continues to revolve for some time and gradually it stops. So similarly, the, our psychophysical existence is because of our past. All the past latent impressions, which has started fructifying in this life, the momentum of that will just go on uh, to take us in this flow for some time. What we can do at the most, we can just switch off the desires behind it, the sense of identification with them. We can stop that. The flow continues at last to stop, to render you liberation, to make you free. So that's the thing which is being indicated by Bhoga and Apavarga. So the entire nature is there to take us through this process. And the nature continues. You may be liberated, but the nature continues. How? Why? Because there are others, Purusha, who are yet to evolve to that state of realization from where the detachment comes and renders freedom. So for others, it continues. That we studied in the 22nd Sutra. Kritartham pratinashtam api anashtam so though it may be of no use, the Prakriti has uh, been discarded by the Purusha who has reached the state of realization, but it still serves the purpose of other Purushas who are still in the quagmire of ignorance. So that was the Sutra we studied in the last class. So now the 23rd to 27th Sutra Gradually, we take, uh, will, will take us by discussing on the cause of this Sangh Yoga, what's the, why this, uh, the purpose of Sangh Yoga, why it has happened, and what's the cause of it. And once that cause, you get rid of that cause, when the liberation ensues, what are the signs, what are the indications that for you, the Prakriti is going to fall off. In seven steps, it happens. In the 27th Sutra, very wonderfully Yoga Sutra describes those seven signs, Saptadha, seven signs by which indicates that the Purusha, that the Prakriti has started falling apart. It has started dissolving to render you freedom, to no more uh, entangle you in this process of transmigration, the process of birth and death. So, from the 23rd to the 27th Sutra, it will discuss on this subject. So now to study the 23rd Sutra, we will share the screen so that you can also refer to the Sutra. So the 23rd Sutra, plus first let us read it and then we will try to understand the meaning. Swa Swami 
शक्तयो स्वरूप उपलब्धि हेतु संयोग स्वस्वामी सत्यो स्वरूप उपलब्धि हेतु संयोग सो इन संस्कृत दे कॉल्ड देर इज ए न्याय कॉल्ड मध्य दीपिका न्याय वॉट इट मीन्स यू नो इन द विलेज टू हैव फ्यूएल एफिशियंस इन द ओल्डन डेज देर वॉज नो इलेक्ट्रिसिटी देर टू बर्न द लैम्प सम फ्यूएल विल बी देर इन द लैम्प now to have the efficiency that i need not burn too much of oil so what was the how what plan they devised between two rooms there will be a small window a small aperture will be there with the two rooms and that aperture is meant for a lamp to be kept so at night both the rooms get lighted by the same lamp so madhya deepika the lamp which has been kept in between the two rooms is lighting both the rooms so here the sh- word shakti shaktayo is the madhya deepika it has to be connected with the word swa as well as with the word swami so swa shakti swami shakti these two together becomes swa swami shaktayo this word shakta is acting this word shakti shaktayo is in is the dvivachan the word shaktayo is indicating both is actually to be linked with both the swa as well as the swami so what it means swa shakti plus swami shakti swa swami shaktayo so what actually swa shakti is indicating the power of prakriti the power of prakriti is the swa shakti the shakti of the prakriti and swami shakti the power of the prakriti is lord that is the power of the purusha so to realize once the prakriti's own power as well as the power of his lord that is a purusha this samyoga has happened so this swaswami shakta swarupa upalabdhi realizing the nature of the power of the prakriti and the power of the purusha for this purpose samyoga hetu this is the purpose of samyoga so the purpose of sangyoga is to bring forth the realization of the nature of prakriti and purusha now we won't discuss much because we has already discussed this when we were studying the previous sutra in gist we can just say what is the power of the prakriti to project the three gunas but it cannot project that it it is the prakriti's three guna mai it it has it is the the sattva raja tvama these three gunas are the constituents of the prakriti but it cannot project till it comes in association with the purusha so the prakriti's power is to project the three gunas which is possible only in the presence of the purusha and these three gunas just to give a hint actually what is what it is speaking of the stimuli response conditioning that actually indicates life that where uh, sattva speaks of illumination sattva speaks of the there's a what are this the organs of perceptions are pure sattva and it speaks of illumination what actually is speaking of it speaks of the stimulus the light which is coming through which is which is striking your eyes the sound which is striking your ears the smell which is coming in conjunction with your nose the touch for that the skin is there for test the tongue is there so all these five senses are illuminating the world for you 
there is no other way there is no other avenue for the world to be illumined apart from these five senses so these five senses that's why are called pure sattva they are the factors for illumination and once i am illuminated what is happening is my mind a just a empty uh, picture where the world is there with all its perceptions to be poured in no that's the wrong way of understanding the mind already have all the perceptions in the very dormant in a it is not manifested the external world is just a suggestion to activate it the world is actually projected the mind is actually projected which is projecting these five senses the external world is just a suggestion to project out all those perceptions so all those perceptions which are yet to be manifested which are lying dormant in your mind before the illumination happens is the tamas those are the tanmatras and once the illumination has happened those tanmatras has been activated the world has been projected now you respond to that stim- that stimuli that what knowledge you gathered you respond to it through action through the organs of action that is rajas is there anything in our life apart from this three nothing the world i am seeking and after seeing the way i am reacting that's what my world is and that's why the prakriti has been called trigunamayi how it happens all the three gunas projects only when the mind is coming in association with the purusha till then it is just like a dead log wood that example which we gave just a few minutes back of the computer chip it is something inner dead only when electricity passes then the world of virtuality is projected so here also the prakriti is inert its power is realized only when the purusha is in association with it and what is the power of the purusha purusha what is the, the purusha uses prakriti like a mirror to realize its nature as just now we were discussing that in a small microbe that is a very poor mirror where the purusha has been reflected and it immediately feels that i have to evolve in the physical plane it goes on evolving the human intellect is that mirror where the reflection is just palpably uh, visible it is the transparent reflection where your nature is as if palpably realized and then that nivritti comes and then that denunciation comes detachment comes taking you to the ultimate liberation so purusha to this power is to realize its nature and for there prakriti is there in association with the prakriti purusha goes through these experiences of bhoga and apavarga bhoga leads to pravritti you are encircling more and more into a localized center of your individuality and when the realization dawns that it is a futile attempt to experience the infinite nature in the physical plane then the nivritti nivritti is that circling out this encircling inside is pravritti and then 
spirally moving outward is nivritti so you are gradually your localized so called this individuality is getting uh, diluted is getting diverged at our last leading you to that non local consciousness which is your real nature the purusha which is in no way bound by any limitations so that's what is the purpose of uh, purusha and prakriti is coming together to each realizes its own power by being in association with the other so that's what has been spoken of in the 23rd sutra what the 24th sutra speak the tasya hetur avidya the ignorance is the cause of this conjunction it is out of ignorance the conjunction has happened because it's just to take a common example you will find if you have a pet in your house and by chance it comes in front of the mirror how it reacts you have found it takes the image to be real either it like tries to become friendly with that image it will be making all sorts of postures all sorts of gesticulations and try to be friendly or it may try to encounter it it may take it to its enemy and try to encounter and it will go on for certain time and at last what happens is habituation the pet dog realizes that this i can never interact with it however i may try neither i can uh, be uh, develop affinity with it nor i can fight with it it's just a reflection this is called habituation so this till the habituation happens it is ignorance out of ignorance i take it to be the real the same thing is happening in our life this habituation takes a long time we are going through this process of experience taking the image to be real and that's the ignorance just in the pet we see that ignorance for us also the same ignorance is being enacted this ignorance is finding expression in our life because we take the reflection in the prakriti to be real and trying to just interact with it the interaction is never possible because you are eternal and that eternity can never be experienced in the prakriti so it's a futile attempt going on life after life at last the habituation in the spiritual sense happen you realize that it is never possible that i can never realize my eternal nature in the prakriti and there is no need for it i am already eternal the reflection was deluding me it was a flow if a something the sun is reflected in a flow it appears distorted the spherical sun may appear to be ob- oblong elongated moving but actually it's not moving it's not elongated it's just the reflection which appears to be distorted really it is not being distorted once i realize i no more get identified with the prakriti till then this samyoga continues and the cause of that samyoga is the ignorance avidya so we have discussed it again and again so in short that's the idea which has been spoken of here in the 24th sutra but 25th sutra what it is saying tat abhavat samyoga abhava hanam tat drishe raivalyam and when that ignorance falls off tat abhavat when that ignorance 
avidya which has been spoken of in the last sutra when that is no more there samyoga abhava there is no there is absence of the samyoga conjunction when there is absence of that that is ignorance there is absence of conjunction which is the thing to be eradicated and that's what is desirable and that is the independence of the seer tat drishe the drishe drishe is the seer kaivalyam the word kaivalya is very significant kaivalya what came from kevala now we are handicapped i think i cannot uh, move without the support of the crutch what is the crutch the prakriti and someone come and when the realization comes the crutch is dragged out and i find no i was never handicapped i just was deluded so i can walk alone kevala means alone there is no need of the support of the prakriti so when that realization comes that you alone can exist by your own right without the support of the prakriti that the kevala purusha that from the word the kaivalya came you have re- you have reached the state of kaivalya where you realize that there is no need for the support of the prakriti for your existence you exist by your own right totally isolated from the prakriti that's the state of kaivalya so that you reach when that conjunction there is absence of the conjunction and that absence happens only when the ignorance has fallen off you are no more ignorant about the fact of the real nature then how to attain that state the 26th sutra speaks of viveka khyati viveka khyatir aviplava hanupayah viveka khyati aviplava hanupayah these words if you just understand the words immediately the meaning of the sutra becomes something clear as clear uh, just uh, some as a like a fruit as palpable as a fruit in your hand viveka khyati the word viveka khyati what it means the word viveka means discrimination khyati means knowledge so viveka khyati means discriminative knowledge what is the discriminative knowledge the knowledge which is enabling you to discriminate between the seer and the seen that constant awareness of the fact that i am not the seen i am not the reflection in the prakriti i am separate from it i am the purusha this is the discriminative knowledge aviplava this word is very important without viplava viplava means obstruction uninterrupted when in your mind uninterruptedly this awareness is there that you are the purusha you are in no way associated with the prakriti this discriminative knowledge is there which in the vedanta we find is in the various that mahavakyas the dictums aham brahmasmi that speaks of that you are negating your limited existence you are associating with your real nature when that awareness is constant without any interruption that leads to the break breaking of that conjunction hana upaya means hana upaya means means of destruction hard to destroy the ignorance the destruction of the ignorance constant recollection of the knowledge of the discriminative knowledge 
is the necessary condition. So how to have that? So we will study the three states of mind. You all will understand in Yoga Sutra, in some other sutras, it has been explained that our mind has three states. Sarvarthata, Ekagrata, Nirodha. What is this? Sarvarthata means the monkey mind. Constantly jumping from thought to thought. I have no control over it. Sarvartha. It has served no purpose for me. By being constantly associating with the happenings of life, I'm constantly the thrill, the adventure, every time the new adventure impels me to resort to some thoughts again and again, some new thoughts. And that ha has become the, uh, my nature, almost that has become my nature. I cannot stop these fluctuations of the mind. So what I have to do, once I have realized that, that there can be never real happiness by being associated with the Prakriti, I have to disassociate from it. That needs a practice. Constantly, consciously, deliberately, I have to practice that, that practicing the recollection of that idea that I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. I'm the pure conscious principle. I'm the Atman. But it's not so easy. You will find your monkey mind in a very short time takes over you and all the distractions again come and washes away. Simply uh, wash off that thought of that uh, ekagra vritti, that one ekagra agra means one, one pointed thought, ekagra vritti. What is that ekagra vritti? That I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. I am the purusha. It can, this thought can be in various forms, even for a devotee who is devoted to the God, constantly thinking of the divine. It also actually speaks of Viveka Khyati. When you are thinking that you are a devotee, you are trying to constantly contemplate of the divine. What's the idea? Do you think that the divine is just like any of your physical relations, like your uh, father, mother, or wife, or your son? You know very well. Those relations are temporary. They're going to end at certain point of time. They started at certain point of time, they're going to end. But when you're thinking of God, immediately the idea comes, this is the relation which is eternal. God is eternal. The real me is eternal. And my association with the divine is eternal. It is an eternal companionship. So even a devotee, what is by thinking of the God is constantly negating the idea of his limited existence. So that also is a Viveka Khyati if you can do it uninterruptedly, that will lead to the ultimate liberation. But it's not easy. I find that however I may try, either to think of God or of my real nature, in whatever way I'm trying to think, the other thoughts come and distracts me. And I feel so helpless. What's the way out? The way out is again and again to try to keep the mind in that one thought. I fail, again I try. But failure is the pillar of success. How this failure leads to success? If you study the nature of the mind, it will become clear that how the mind has become Sarvartha, that for lives together, all the various purposes which was distracting my mind, that I took to be real. 
I consciously resorted to those various arthas, various thoughts. And anything which enters through your conscious mind is never lost. It goes and uh, sediments in the subconscious mind as latent impression. So all the each and every conscious thought has sedimented in the subconscious mind as the latent impressions. They are there. They are saturating the subconscious mind. So your conscious mind is constantly getting activated by in two ways. Just the store, if you just throw a stone on the surface of the leg, the legs get agitated. So the leg surface is like your conscious mind. Outside thoughts, the conscious thoughts are like throwing up the stones. It is disturbing your mind. That's one way the conscious mind is getting agitated. And the other way, from the bottom of the leg, the bubbles are moving up. The bubbles are formed and they're moving up. They come and break on the surface of your uh, this conscious mind, on the surface of the leg. So the surface of the leg is getting disturbed in two ways, by the external pelting of stones and by the bursting of the bubbles which are coming from the bottom. And these bubbles are almost beyond my control because that's my path, but because of the saturation of my mind with all those distractive thoughts. Now consciously I'm trying to think of my real nature. The subconscious mind is throwing it out. It's not allowing me to keep that thought in my mind for even for a while. Then what's the way out? I may feel that there is no way out. I feel helpless. But we forget that all the thoughts of the subconscious mind has entered through the consciousness, entered through the conscious mind. So now, even if I fail, I have to try again and again. Then what happens? Each and every attempt, though you may fail, each and every conscious attempt to keep your mind in that one thought of your real nature is forming, is becoming a latent impression. At present, this latent impression is very weak. The other latent impressions are very strong. So they are overpowering this weak latent impression. But never mind, with patience, with perseverance, after each and every failure, again you try. And then what happens? Each and every conscious attempt now starts gradually saturating your subconscious mind. A time comes when your subconscious mind gets more and more saturated with this ekagra vritti. It's getting more and more saturated. And then a time comes that all the so-called distractions, the sarvarthata has vanished, has fallen off. To understand this, we can take the example of a cup full of turgid contents, full of impurities. The liquid full of impurities is in a cup and it is full. Now what I do, I start pouring pure water into the cup. As the cup is already full, the turgid contents of the cup starts spilling off, starts overflowing. And the turgidity starts getting diluted. It becomes less and less concentrated. If I go on pouring the pure water, a time will come, all the turgidity will be washed off. And only the pure water will be filling the cup. 
so that's the way the mind gradually gets purified from sarvarthata to ekagrata that ekagra vritti now when you have reached the state of ekagra vritti it it's not the end when you are saying that i am not the body i am not the mind i am not the senses i am the atman the biggest paradox is it is the mind which is saying i am not the mind so you have to get rid of the mind how is it possible the same ekagra vritti will do the thing how now we have thousands of desires when the mind has become ekagra it is constantly hammering on your asmita that asmita what it is saying that i am this body i am this mind i am this senses that asmita is actually hooked to all your sub modules of your mind all the desires innumerable desires are there each desires linked with this each sub this lateral impressions of your mind they are all hooked with that it's almost impossible to get rid of those sublateral impressions one by one but when you are constantly hammering with an uninterrupted viveka khyati the asmita the hub of the will is uprooted and all the spikes of that will each, each spike is each lateral each uh, what you say the latent impression of your mind linked to each desire all the spikes will fall off at a time if you can get rid of the hub of the will if you try to get rid of the spikes one by one it is almost impossible there are innumerable such spikes so the only way get rid of the hub so when that sarvarthata has got converted into ekagrata so then you get that sufficient force that optimum force to get rid of the hub by constantly hammering it and that leads to the state of the nirodha when the thought waves are no more there it never happens in the deep sleep also in the deep sleep also the thought waves are there only the waves don't have the contents as we have studied in the very first chapter what is nidra it is also that the vrittis are still there but abhava pratyaya there is no content so mind never stops in our life it only stops through the meditation in no other way so when the ekagra vritti has enabled you to get rid of the hub by this constant viveka khyati which is aviplava uninterrupted in our scripture they speak it this aviplava has been uh, 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 what you say this compared with the the flow of oil taila dharavat when oil is being poured from one continent to another continent you will find that because of the viscosity there is no interruption so when the thought of your viveka if your discriminative awareness has become that uninterrupted then it gets rid of the hub in the form of asmita and the mind gets to the state of total arrested state nirodha but very interesting that at the very beginning for the timing when the mind has got arrested now the subconscious mind is now filled with the ekagra vritti so from the arrested state again and again you come back to that ekagra vritti you will never go back to that sarvarthata once you have reached that ekagra state you never go back to sarvarthata but from that state of nirodha you come back to ekagra so even when you go for the to the 
this what is the state of uh, samadhi for the first time nirvikalpa samadhi again you come back to the savikalpa state and this goes on ramakrishna says watch khala just like a fish likes to swim from one shore of the river to the other shore, other bank and it will be going to the other bank again it comes back so this is called watch khala the fish like to do that so in this state is from ekagrata to the nirodha the mind also is going from one shore to the other it continues till that restricted state becomes your subconscious latent impression and then it no more comes back to the ekagra vritti then the mind starts falling off and once the mind starts falling off that's the last bondage the what's the mind like the mind is just like your body and the physical body is just like the nails when the nails grow you peer off again it grows it peer off so one after the other the physical body is coming it is being peered off but the fingers with the nails remain so the mind is like that finger with the nails when this viveka khyati has happened now you can get rid of the mind that's the real bondage and that will render you the ultimate freedom so it's a process through sarvarthata how to get this abhiplava uninterrupted thought of discriminative knowledge it's through that purity patience perseverance which swamiji speaks of as 3p purity patience so the purity speaks of the practice of viveka khyati the more you practice the more you are becoming pure but it's not possible in a go to remain established in that for that you need perseverance and you have to have patience again and again you will fail again you have to go back to your perseverance and continue with patience and then this mind automatically will, will evolve from the state of sarvarthata to the ekagrata and gradually to the nirodha state which at last will become permanent to render you that freedom where the clutch of the prakriti has fallen off so after stating that how we can realize what are the signs to understand that this process has ensued there are seven signs that will be spoken of in the 27th sutra which we will take up again in the next class with this we stop our discussion today om namaskar thank you pranam shami ji namaskar